The dream is over. Well, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I didn't know that until I read The Verge today. Okay. And they told me the dream is dead. That's uh, that's their words. Mm-hmm. They said Apple will never switch to USB-C for the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Never. It's a big word. Never. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, actually, you know what? It says near future. It doesn't actually use the terminology never. Yeah. Uh, There's still hope. But it's probably not going to happen, according to Ming-Chi. And he's saying it would just be too much of an impact on their accessory business built around that lightning port. And it also mentions something interesting that I didn't think about or I don't think a lot of people thought about, or they're just using it as an excuse, which is that apparently... Their lightning port has a slightly better durability water resistance rating than a USB-C port. Some, something along these lines, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm skeptical because you see all kinds of mil-spec stuff on other phones that have Type-C. Apple themselves, may, they make devices with Type-C, although I guess those ones aren't meant to be pocketed, like the iPads and whatnot and the, mm-hmm. the laptops. So it's a different different kind of thing, but... Look, people People like when something is easy, convenient. People like the one cable to rule them all. It's been a nightmare leading up to this point. Multiple cables, chargers, things like this. And uh, USB-C was supposed to solve that, at least the connector. And Apple successfully resisted it without very much consequence. It's not like anybody stopped buying iPhones because of it, even though there are some significant advantages to it. And so since it looks like Apple's not going to switch at all, it means there is work to be done on their MagSafe technology because that means your upcoming iPhones are portless, as we've seen rumored. Mm. Uh, That that, that you would would have to charge via MagSafe exclusively. Mm. And that would be with their little disk pattern situation on the back. Now, at the moment, it's not the fastest charging in the world, but it's... Also not as slow as some early version wireless charging either. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think they're getting like 15 watts on that thing. But that's the future, right? I guess. But, you know, there's going to be people that argue about efficiency. There's going to be people out there that argue that the cable is more effective for them for reason X, Y, Z. You know? And uh, and I hear that as well. I mean, ideally, and this, this seems to be a thing with Apple... They want the adoption of their uh, decisions, of their features to happen rapidly. And in order to achieve that, you uh, have to eliminate the old version of it. It's like we talked about, why can't you have Touch ID and Face ID Mm -hmm. as an example? Or why can't you have Type-C on the MacBook and MagSafe? Like what, it's always like it has to go. And there's a reason for it, right? It, It accelerates adoption of the new technology. It also makes a boatload of money for people who have to change the cables and things like this. Uh, and in this case, you you could have said, well, what's wrong with MagSafe and USB Type-C on the next generation phone? But they would want to be that first company to say, we don't need no port. Right. We don't need no stinking port. Yeah. They will want to have that. I mean, much in the same way when the power brick came out, the package, like that's step one. Yeah. No more power brick. Guess what? No more port. It just shows Apple has a pretty clear vision, and they're sticking to it. Well, and they can do it, yeah. right? So for those wondering or thinking about it, it's like in the Android space, you got they got to be competitive amongst one another. Mm-hmm. And if somebody offers you a slight edge and gives you, I don't know, an extra port <laughs> or, or adopts a technology sooner or gives you more versatility in your port options, let's say... Uh, if if a company can't do that, well, you go flip to some other one that can. On the iOS side, the lock-in is just a little bit different where you're uh, a little more willing to adjust to their way of life because unless you want to switch platforms completely, you see what I mean? It's just a deeper hook. Mm-hmm. The hook is in deeper. We go fishing, which they do on a daily basis. They're fishing for your money. So I don't know how much this matters to people. I know some people are really against the idea of a portless iPhone, but it's looking more likely. At this point, you're sitting there saying, man, if they don't do it on the next gen, 
well, then why do it at all, right, as far as the USB Type-C is concerned? And anyway, it's coming on Ming-Chi's latest report, so take it for what it's worth, but he's been pretty accurate in the past. Uh, he says there's more, uh, there's more information in his report, by the way, about the future iPhone lineup, including a smaller notch, faster refresh rate, which we talked about in the past, and rumors of a hole-punch camera in 2022 and a potential 8-inch foldable iPhone that could launch as early as 2023. That brings us to today's sponsor, which is Me Undies. And I don't know if you knew this, Will, but Me Undies believes undies aren't just what you put on under your clothes. That's not what they are. They're not it's just not. that. No, oh. you do that, but they're not just that. They believe undies are the most important layer. Okay. You know, it sets the stage for the other layers. It's like the foundation. Oh. You start with a good layer. You start with a good low-down layer, and then you build on something robust. Foundation's important. You see, if you go, if you go with a weak foundation, uh-huh. then everything else suffers that you put on top of it. Because deep down, deep seed in the back of your head, you know, you're like, I skimped on the undies. Sure. I skimped on those undies. Yep. And now, no matter what kind of name brand I put on top of it, I know the truth. I'm slacking down low. Yeah. You understand? So. That's not what happens. Actually, it's the opposite with me undies. These are the softest things you're going to put on your body. That's from personal experience. I am, uh, I'm wearing these right now. People didn't believe me before the show. You know, Vin called me out. He said, prove it. I had to, I had to hit him with the waistband. You I said, to show him. I had to hit him with the waistband and say, look at me. No pants down? I'm softer than you right now. Go all the way. I'm softer than you right now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and so... I, I tell you what, man, it gives you a little extra confidence throughout the day when you when you're going around the house just in the undies or the pants that they sell. Your your comfort level is increased. Your relaxation knock a few stress points down, and everybody needs some of that. They got all kinds of colors. It's not just undies, like I said. They got the PJs over there, uh, men, women represented. It's it's unbelievable, unbelievable boxer briefs, trunks, whatever you like. There's packs and accessories on there as well. They got face masks going on. So different styles and sizes for absolutely everyone. Uh, they have a great offer for you guys. For any first-time purchaser, you get 15% off and free shipping. And they have their uh, problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product, for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No questions asked. Uh, right now, 15% off your first order plus free shipping, 100% satisfaction guarantee. Just go to meundies.com slash later. That's uh, meundies.com slash later, or just click the link down in the description of this video. It could be uh, a bit faster for you. Just uh, don't forget the slash later in order to get your 15% off. I don't know if you saw this one, Will. Uh, this is uh, our old pal from Strange Parts. I think you were on that trip where we met up in China. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotty, yeah, we were yeah, we went to the guy. bar and uh, I think we ate some. What do we have? A cheeseburger or something? I don't even. We know. did. We went to the burger joint, right? We did, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, he uh, he was a local to Shenzhen. I don't know if he's living there anymore, but he was a local at the time, so he kind of uh, showed us around. He took us to the market, and uh, so yeah, shout out to to Scotty, his channel, Strange Parts. He's still goofing around, and I mean that in the best way. Still trying to get his hands on components and uh, do some unusual things. And this is his latest entry into that category. Here we have him pairing a foldable display with a Raspberry Pi in order to imagine what a foldable iPhone will be like. So he was able to pick up some of these displays on, was it AliExpress? I can't remember where he ordered them from. I think that's what he said. Some sort of a, a commerce site like that. And he actually paid quite a bit of money. I was surprised to find out he paid around 500 bucks for each of these. It's just a component. You know, it's just a screen. You can't do much. I mean, mostly for testing at this point. He believes the manufacturer is... Uh, who's who's the uh, the display manufacturer out of China doing bendable? Was it B-O-M? B-O... No. B-B... Oh, wow. We It's a total massive fail. I mean, we should lose our jobs for this. B-O... Display manufacturer China. That's what we need to do right now. We can't we can't fade on this. I know because Apple was actually granting some contracts to this company and they were like a new player and then all of a sudden their uh, quality BOE BOE all of a sudden their quality improved, quality assurance and and then they were they were considering them for some of the iPhone displays. Of course, 
we hear about all kinds of other names in the display category from Samsung to LG, but these guys continue to gobble up some market share anyway. It appears that these components were sourced from there, and in order to get iOS onto these flexible displays, he used an AirPlay protocol to a Raspberry Pi, which he then displayed over HDMI from the Raspberry Pi to a controller into the flexible display. So hardly a working phone. And I thought, okay, this is a cool idea for a video, show what an iPhone or iOS looks like on a flexible display. But then he went further to say, no, 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 I'm going to try to make an actual phone, a whole thing mm -hmm. with this display. And I was like, oh God, that's quite an undertaking. Apparently he has a partner here who has some hardware hacking expertise. So we'll see how this plays out, but you can imagine trying to figure out what, e what even is your chassis like what is the body of the phone if you're hoping to show off the fact that the display is is flexible mm -hmm. you can't just and you have all these extra components too if assuming he's going to use these with with those boards and, and those adapters how's he fit it all in it's a huge right. anyway it's a huge undertaking but apparently he's actually going to work on it and try to make it real for now it's a little bit of a demo on uh on what it might be like and it's kind of cool to see how the access to these flexible technologies has changed to the point where you can just pick up a couple of units, just mm -hmm. an everyday person. Uh, once upon a time, this was something they had a couple units at CES type thing. Right. And now anybody can pick this up and start testing with it and working with it. And so that's kind of cool. Uh, next up, we have some iPhone 13 speculation. I've obviously heard about the LiDAR across the board. I've heard about the refresh rate improvement. This is just one more spec that some may be curious about. Supposedly, we're going to be looking at a one terabyte storage option for some models, which is quite, a, I mean, that's quite a bit of local storage. Mm -hmm. But the thing to consider is they've been making this move with the uh, with the large file sizes for the photos with the RAW. Mm. What are they calling it, RAW? Pro-RAW? I can't remember the name they're using right now. Is that it, Well. Yeah, ProRAW. ProRAW files are 10 to 12 times larger than HEIF or JPEG files, which means users would need a great deal more on-device storage. So for people who are using these things in a, I don't know, semi-professional prosumer type sense and are going to be storing a ton of these ProRAW files, which that's kind of the state of things in 2021, man. It's, you know, people are doing more and more work on these phones and more and more work with these phone cameras. Anyway, you got to store the stuff locally. Mm -hmm. And uh, sure, you could move the stuff to iCloud or something, but you're paying for that. And it might just be a quicker process to have it local. So the one TB option is going to be there. But you know what this, What else this is going to mean, Will? This is going to mean some pretty hefty price tags for, those, for the highest level iPhone. Mm -hmm. And people are going to do, you're going to see all the videos unboxing the $2,000 iPhone or whatever one it happens to be. Mm -hmm because uh, it's going to obviously be the top, top premium tier unit that would carry such a spec. Uh, speaking of iPhones not carrying a hefty price tag, the iPhone SE, we have some sort of a, a fiasco in Brazil. <laughs> I, was, I had some fun reading this one. Brazil has distributed enterprise iPhone SE devices to public prosecutors. Uh, I guess these are uh, government officials, mm -hmm. and they're not happy about it. Now, let me let me break it down for you real quick here, Will. First of all, iPhones are expensive in in Brazil for one taxes, tariffs, whatever whatever leads you there. This group of individuals, the public prosecutors, they're uh, high end employees. Uh, some of these guys apparently can receive up to twenty thousand dollars a month. These these are these are some high level types over here. Okay. I presume a prosecutor, they're, they're, they're lawyers, right? Uh-huh. So, but on behalf of the government. Anyway, they were getting this, they're getting their new phones rolled out because they bid on some old phones that were supplied to them, iPhone 7. And they find out they're going to get this upgrade, except it's not going to be to an iPhone 12. It's going to be to an iPhone SE. Mm. And now I know a lot of people based on my experience on this very YouTube channel and others, I know a lot of people would not mind having themselves a little iPhone SE yeah, why action. The, uh, this particular guy, not so much. So 
Marco Tulio Lustosa Camina, who's a pub public prosecutor in Brazil, in one of the northeastern states, wrote in a group chat on February 9th. We received an email asking if we wanted only the Claro SIM or to continue receiving a SIM with a device, with the disclosure that if we choose the last option, it's going to be an iPhone SE. Three exclamation points. All right, keep listening. Do you really think that after more than three years with an iPhone 7 already outdated, slow processor, bad battery, small screen, we are going to accept for another 30 months an iPhone SE? I don't think anyone here is a kid. Jeez. <laughs> Coming hard What's wrong at with it. The SE? Coming hard at it. Keeps going. Harsh. It's insulting. We are over a year working from home. What is this mess? Are they trying to humiliate us? I don't accept this humiliation. I think we should be respected. Whoa. I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking, now, I don't know if this guy's making 20K a month, but I'm like, if you don't really like the, can't, don't you just buy whatever you want and use that? I don't, yeah. am I crazy? I, I, don't, I don't, is that a crazy idea? But anyway, apparently he was, uh, it, it sounds to me like a guy who had already banked on getting the 12 and was looking forward to it. Yeah. And just assumed it was going to be the 12 and then saw the SE and uh, vented a little bit. Now, I don't know how exactly this group chat leaked out or if it was intended to, but it appears there is some frustration there. You guys tell me in the comments, are, are you ever going to be that mad about an iPhone SE? Um, is this guy out of line or uh, does he deserve more? You tell me. I don't know if you saw this. Well, the new DJI FPV drone, it's, it's a real thing. I think we talked about, we saw some clips of it earlier, but like it's out now. And this is a mixture. It's like a hybrid. It's kind of like one of those racing drones, but it's also a cinema drone for shooting video and all that. Cool. And it's, uh, I believe it's the fastest drone that they've done, DJI. Now, a lot of people who don't know about the racing drone scene, there are faster drones out there than this one. I'm not saying I know a lot about it, but I do know that much. Yes, the racing ones. Those racing ones can fly, man. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we have a... Uh, an actual an actual reading here on the article about how fast they can get I mean this setup looks really cool yeah that that's that's their new drone especially the goggles let me see something right here how fast right. do those racing drones go I promise you it was in here oh there we go the DJI FPV can't quite match the 120 mile per hour top speeds oh. of pro racing drones and they well, turn on a dime. 120 miles per hour, dude. 120, like, we're not talking KMs, like, uh, uh, Team Canada over here. Uh-huh. Talk about miles per hour. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but anyway, this this uh, this new one has a top speed, the new DJI product has a top speed of 87 miles per hour. It's no joke. It can go from zero to 62 in just two seconds. Mm. This That's as fast as that car right there. Right there. That's faster than that car. Yeah. Zero to 62 in two seconds. We should have a race or something. Should we do that? Let's set it up. Should we do that race, the new FPV drone versus that? And anyway, the key thing here is, yes, you can still shoot great video with it, but really it's it's going to bring the racing drone experience to a lot more people because of, you know, DJI, the brand name and whatnot. And so unlike the cinema type drones where you're going to have a screen and a controller, it's going to put a lot of people inside the headset and they're going to feel like a bird over there. Mm-hmm. You know, flying, man. And it's a type of experience. I haven't had it yet. And you have to be sitting down to demand this. This is... Uh, no, no, no. These guys, they just... Look how crazy They stand is. up, man. It's I like mean, they don't stand on the edge of a cliff or anything, but they stand up and man it. Or, I mean, I'll sit down. It doesn't... Whatever. Yeah, look I, at it following these cars, uh, man. I mean, come on. I would... I would totally fall over. No, it's, it's, it is very cool stuff. And people are going to do amazing amazing cinematography they weren't doing before mm -hmm. because now they got this maneuverability and speed and they're going to figure out how to use it and you know the clips are about to come and they're going to be pretty nice and you get to look uh, very futuristic with that particular headset on. Anyway, uh, it, it is available now. It can shoot 4K 60 video with rock steady image stabilization and a 120 megabit per second uh, bit rate. And it has a 150-degree wide-angle lens, a 1 by 2, 3-inch CMOS sensor. And uh, what else? DJI Mini 2's chip. So it's an interesting choice for people now. Now, it's not going to be cheap, obviously. 
It'll cost you a few dollars. I, I don't know if they actually listed the price. Oh, they do. They have the price here, $12.99. The hmm. standard DJI FPV combo, which includes the FPV, FPV drone, remote control, and the goggles, is $12.99. And if you need more range, you can get the Fly More kit, which gives you two extra batteries and a dedicated charging hub for an extra $2.99. And then the optional motion controller is available for an extra $199. So you could kit it out to, I mean, you could spend some money on it, but it looks like the main kit, $12.99, seems kind of reasonable for what it is. I don't know. That's my point of view, but it, it's 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 hard to know because you, you, you're you wondering what the market is right now, given the landscape of things, people's disposable income and such at the mm -hmm. moment. Are people goofing around with drones as much? I don't know. But if you were going to be you might set your sights on this one because you can have some fun. You don't even need to be shooting video, Will. I really believe you could go out to a nice landscape and just want to fly. Just fly, yep. You know, it might not even necessarily be about the video. OnePlus has teased a moonshot announcement for March 8th, which uh, that's pretty soon, right? What's today? Yeah, a few days from now. Uh, more details to come. Not very much being shared, although people obviously speculating what it's about. The image, something new is on the horizon. The image is significant. It is important because it appears uh, to have been taken originally, this image, by a Hasselblad camera. And the rumor is that OnePlus has teamed up with Hasselblad on this next generation, um, next flagship phone, the OnePlus 9. Uh, so they're saying that this photograph looks it looks like the famous Earthrise photo from the Apollo 8 mission, and that was taken with a Hasselblad camera. Hmm. You see where I'm going here, Will? So they're like they're hinting at it, and they're happy about their partnership. And anyway, there's uh, supposed to be a OnePlus 9, a 9 Pro, and a 9R, and a smartwatch coming all in March over here. Wow, it's quite a few. Wow, all of those in March? OnePlus 9, 9 Pro, and 9R. Crazy. All right. Launching March the 8th. That might be the most devices they've ever talked about at one yeah. event. And I don't know what the R stands for, but anyway. This was shared on Pete Lau's his, his, uh, Twitter account. So other, here are some other rumors about the OnePlus 9. It's said to include wireless fast charging at 45 watts. The... Uh, regular OnePlus 9 non-pro expected to have a 6.55 inch flat display, 120 hertz, 1080p. And the 9 Pro is a little bit bigger, 6.78 inches, 120 hertz, 1440p. Snap, Snapdragon 888 for both. And the R or the light could be announced. Oh, okay. So it would have an older 865 processor. So that would be your distinction between, they could use the R which is odd because often R is like a performance letter. Yeah, like type R. Type R in cars are, uh, we have the Sony cameras, A7R. Although Apple used it for a lower version. 10R. Like 10R. You're right. Did What did the R stand for on the 10R? Did they ever it. share that or no. they just used it? People spe had to speculate. All right, they can let us know. People can let us know in the comments. On the iPhone XR, what did the R stand for? Anyway, it looks like a OnePlus could use that name or they could call it the OnePlus 9 Lite, which is obviously immediately understandable. I don't know if you saw this, Will. Amazon got in trouble with some uh, logo uh, uh, icon update. Uh, no. You never even... I never even saw this thing. Uh, apparently... Okay, so if you scroll down, the the logo or the icon on the left... Oh. They say it looked like Hitler's mustache over there. That's this? what pe the one on the left, like a mustache, oh. <laughs> like the short <laughs> mustache of, oh, over yeah. top the smiley face. The the blue. Now it was supposed to be indicative of like the seal of like the tape. Sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, people. It's twenty twenty one. They're gonna. It's gonna. If they, so if this one looked more Hitler. That's what they said. Than this one. Oh, you feel like they didn't fix it at all? No. Oh, okay. That was their way of fixing it. The one on the right. It's a slight update because, I mean, you can see some of the some of the tweets over here. And, well, and people were having a laugh sure. on it. I They quietly tweaked it. 
You know but what? Yeah, the one on the left does look more more like a mustache, right? Sure, because you yeah. see how they shrunk it this way, first of all, and then they lifted one edge. Like you don't have a mustache that does that, that goes diagonal no, over there on the side. Unless you're being extra. Oh, that's a lot of work, man. That's some next a, level appealing mustache type of. Now the now the crazy part about this, and they mention it in the article here, is that that mustache people had that mustache before Hitler, but then Hitler yeah. had it, and then nobody could ever have it after that. It's crazy how that can work. Or, or like you talk about symbols and things like this. It's like if it once it hits a certain thing, it's like, no, 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 we're, we're done with that. Nobody's going to use it. I mean, even yeah. you got Charlie Chaplin over here. Even I mean, it even looks weird to see him with that, doesn't it? And he had it first. He had it first uh -huh. before Hitler. Yeah. And, and still you look at that now and you're like, oh, man. Interesting, but I guess in, he was doing an act. I don't know that he wore a mustache outside of the act because I see some pictures of him. Yeah, without without mustache. it. Anyway, it's crazy. You know, Amazon doesn't want to be associated with it, so they went in there and they and they quietly tweaked it. I think we have a quote over here. Amazon spokesperson: Amazon is always exploring new ways to delight our customers. We designed the new icon to spark anticipation, excitement, and joy when customers start their shopping journey on their phone, just as they do when they see our boxes on their doorstep. They want us, well, they want to spark anticipation, excitement, and joy, and nothing else. No thoughts of any uh, violence and evil and sure. world wars, and they don't want to be, so they just tweak it, and they're like, uh -huh. all right, fine, is this better now? But uh, I don't know. You didn't see it at first. But, no, it took me, yeah, a little bit. But other but people I did. And you know how that goes? It's like the top comment effect. It's like if you're the first one to notice it, and then you publish that to Twitter, and people are like, oh, yeah, and then retweet, and then uh -huh. it just flows, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It just flows, doesn't it? So anyway, quiet little tweak from Amazon. Oh, man. So I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole here because I originally, I originally saw this article about how people were using their PlayStation 5s to... Uh, mine Ethereum. <laughs> oh, can you do that? <laughs> and I, that's exactly my thought. I'm like, wait a second. And they were showing images and screenshots. and Like and, Hive OS kind of? Not, not even, okay, so first of all, not even enough to say, hey, we're, we're mining on uh, PlayStations, but we're mining at an incredible rate at 99 mega hash. Okay, so not only are we on mining... On PS5? Yeah, we're crushing on the PS5. And I think that's what got the crypto types a little bit upset because they were like, let me look into this. There's no way you're doing that in an enclosed platform inside right. of a chassis with heat and everything else that you're dealing Does with. Does it have like a mini fire on top of it? it, it, it well, it, it definitely would if that was what was happening. So people look into it and they said, nah, these, re these reports are, are bogus. I mean... As far as I know, I think there's only one card that is capable of hashing above 100 mega hash right now, which is a 3090, and it's an open air card, or well, at least all the uh, what do they call it, the manufacturer ones like MSI and these these types. Those those ones are open air, and it's all the latest technologies. It's completely top of the line type of card. So when you hear that it's happening in the PS5, you're like, wait a sec, how does that what are we talking? How does that make any sense? So the rumors originally were came from Chinese forums and claimed that the PS5 was hacked to support NB Miner, which is an Ethereum mining algorithm, and that it that it reached 99 mega hash. Considering and, and they say it was harder to believe because a tuned Radeon RX 69 XT sits around 60 mega hash, right? Mm -hmm. So they were like, that's not even on the same level what you what you have in terms of hardware inside the PlayStation 5 even if it was you had more air getting to it fans and all the rest of it so that's when people became uh skeptical but it appears that the whole thing was fake and uh I don't know what the incentive is to create something like that maybe just to there's a lot of it's, it's you're like combining two hot stories like availability of PlayStations Mm -hmm. And oh, may, oh, maybe that's the reason you can't find a PlayStation. Everybody's secretly mining them or something like this. Right. But let me tell you something right now, Will. Okay. If PlayStation 5s were mining at 100 mega hash, do you want to know what they'd be selling for? Not $1,000, not $2,000. All right. So yeah. let me just put that in your ear. 
Okay. So there's no way it was going on because it, people would have figured it out. And anyway, you get the point. You understand what I'm saying. But an interesting, weird little hoax. There's no way you saw this one. There's no way you saw this one. Because I saw this one and I was like, I had to read it twice. I, I had to do a double take on a headline. Facebook launches rapping platform bars. Rapping. Mm. I'm talking about actual rapping. Okay. Doesn't that screw you up? You're like, what the? Facebook and rapping. That's something I would never. Oh, a Facebook rapping platform. Like, who's using Facebook? Rappers? Is that real? Maybe there's a niche market for it. I I don't know. I feel like Facebook often, sometimes they take this approach to try to be more accepted amongst the youth. Like, they don't want to let it go. That it's like, man. That's not the demographic that's using Facebook right now. Mm-hmm. And then you hear about something. Now, I'm not telling them not to do it. I mean, go for it, whatever, experiment. But they have other products. I mean, they have WhatsApp and Instagram. I mean, I don't know if there's other places to put this, but they're putting a Facebook brand on it. Facebook has launched a brand new platform called Bars, where users can record short clips of themselves rapping and freestyling over beats. I don't think it's a terrible idea. It's just a Facebook component uh-huh. to it, where I'm like, even if Twitter did it, I'd kind of be like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Sure. But SoundCloud or something like this? That would make more sense. Now I'm starting to, you know. Like TikTok, each video is capped at 60 seconds. Once users finish recording their videos in the app, they can share them across various social media outlets. Users who come across freestyles they like can respond. So I think they want to get a piece of the musically aspect of TikTok. Previous, they license a bunch of songs or at least the instrumentals. Everybody does their take on it and loves to watch one another. You know what I'm saying here? Sure. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, um, with rapping, there is like a tight-knit community uh, freestyle rapping. But the thing, you know, here's the thing, though. I don't know that it's necessarily going after pre-existing rappers as much as it is trying to get the regular person to have fun. Like, it's almost, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can rap, too. Just like like TikTok, try to make everybody dance. Mm -hmm. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, why is this guy dancing? Yeah. Like, if it wasn't for TikTok, there's no way I'd be looking at this guy dancing right now. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not going to name any names. I'm not. I'm not gonna name any names. But I'm just. It's. It's like. It's almost like the platform exists to encourage people to to do something kind of outside their comfort sure, zone. Yeah. And I think that's what what's gonna end up happening here. I don't know how many real rappers are gonna jump on bars, but there will be some of them, and those will rise too. Unknown type rappers, and maybe something can happen with it. But again, that Facebook branding, you start to wonder sometimes. You have a brand that a lot of people know. But sometimes these associations go the wrong way to the point where they could have just called it, they could have left the Facebook part out. Yeah, and just named it exclusively Bars. Do you think it I might don't know, be actually. Like- they say a brand new platform called Bars. Is it inside of Facebook? Bars platform Facebook. I don't know. I don't know, man. If I don't know how much face, how Facebooky it's going to be. Was there a jumping point from... Uh- this previously would be like YouTube battle raps. Is there a correlation there? Uh, I suppose yeah. You could do you could do remote battle rapping on here, like as a response. Yeah, for sure you could. May, yeah, why not? Right, and then sure. pe- people could vote in the comment section. But I, the battle rap that's popular on YouTube is more traditional. It's it's the two people in the same space and a, a crowd hyping the yeah, thing up. King of the dot. Yeah. Grind time. Shout out. Easy, Will. <laughs> you, might get your, you might get yourself uh, involved in something. You might get yourself involved in a battle no, rap. No. You, don't, yeah, you never know, man. Anyway, uh, Facebook wants a piece of it, whatever it is. And apparently they're uh, they're jumping in. Uh, it's some YouTube news, sticking with social media stuff for a second. I don't know if you, you must have seen this. YouTube is trying to get into the shorts situation as well. I did a tiny little experiment with it. I mean, you know how this goes. It's Everybody's trying to do everything. It's just the way it feels now. It's like uh, we t- uh, TikTok comes out, so then Instagram has reels. Uh, Snapchat is hot, so then uh, Instagram got stories. And then 
Twitter got fleets, and then YouTube got shorts, and then YouTube had stories prior to shorts, and I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I'm going to be quite honest with you. It's to, It gets to a point with me where I'm like, and maybe it's just my lifestyle because I'm on these platforms and like I'm, and I'm, I'm talking and I'm publishing and everything else, but it gets to a point where I'm like, man, I got I got to repackage myself 47,000 different ways over here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It gets to a point of exhaustion where it's like, which features on which app? And 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 I get it. I get it. Everyone else is just having fun to having fun. All right. But that's kind of work for me to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, because for me, fun for the most part, it, it, like outside of this, outside of work, is you know, I'm with the family and things sure. like this. I'm not there's no there's no fleets, man. There's no fleets in my life. No. There, there's no uh 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 now the thing is, I'm you know, I'm 200 years old, so that's fine. I understand the youngsters; they want the shorts, and the, and I don't care if I don't I don't mind being 200 years old. It's fine sometimes. Yeah, you know, sometimes you em- embrace the 200 years old, and that's why I said to you, I said this to you, that you know what? Let's put out long form. Let's put out long form. Yeah. Let's be the antidote to the attention compression to. to you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. The onslaught, the assault on your attention span, mm-hmm. which is real. And 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 let's have a conversation and let's be conversational and let's go long form with it. For sure. And and do something different. So anyway, that's just that's a tangent. That's definitely a tangent. Nonetheless, YouTube doesn't care about that tangent. Because no. there's a there's a and there's a Not bunch of there's a bunch of 17-year-olds who don't care about that tangent. Uh-uh. And so you got YouTube, you got your YouTube shorts and it's here and it's in the U.S. and you're going to see the beta button and you can post on it right now. And, and, and as much as I went on a whole rant presenting the other side, let me give you this side. YouTube doesn't want to be left out. You guys want to use all these tools. You guys want to post in different ways. There's a lot of people, they don't feel like they want to post uh, an hour long conversation or a traditional YouTube video. Well, now you partake in YouTube. Everybody has a phone. The bar is now, there's more uh, it, the, the barrier to entry is lower if mm-hmm. you can come in through shorts. Some things I should mention here, there's no monetization on shorts. You're not going to make any money off it. Uh, you, ha- you can post 60 seconds if you see the beta there. This started in India. They rolled it out first, and now it's rolling out elsewhere. You will see it as a beta feature. The way to access it is on a shelf on the homepage, which you may or may not see, and you will then scroll through. YouTube, can I see it on uh, desktop? I don't think you're going to see it on desktop. And what else should I mention? Um, oh, portrait video, obviously. So that's another confusing aspect because YouTube has been at least the place where, where as far as video is concerned, the landscape has stayed alive hmm. as it's been crushed at almost everywhere else, every, all the other social media platforms. I don't know. You guys tell me. You guys tell me how you feel about it. Do you need more short form? Is it, is it already abundantly available? What is it that you're looking for? What is it that you enjoy? I'm curious. Uh, you know, maybe you're, maybe they're loving the shorts. Maybe they're like, that's exactly what YouTube needs. I don't, you know, I don't know. So it comes, you have the, once you get the beta feature, you can post from there. And then obviously you can uh, get your music. It's essentially, you know, it's TikTok. Well, it's TikTok inside of YouTube. And it has to be under 60 seconds. But they, I, I believe when I was looking at the features before I posted my test, um, they were looking for like 15 seconds. So huh. whatever you bring, don't bring your attention. All right. Whatever you bring. Don't all right. yeah, don't bring more than four seconds before you swipe. Gatorade is uh embracing the tech, the technology segment here. Gatorade thinks they think they have uh, you know, a special hydration product for elite athletes. You know, you see the sponsorships, Will. Okay. You see when they when they when they come on the sideline after they win the championship and they dump the Gatorade over there? Yeah. Yeah, because that's I mean, is there any better advertising than that? Have you done that before? No, I never did. I never did the dump. You were dumped on? No, I never got dumped on either because I never played uh, I never played at a level where you would have the Gatorade supplied at the you had to bring <laughs> your own water bottle, all right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never played any sport at the level where the Gatorade was on a sideline. I think football. Football loves the Gatorade often. on a sideline. Uh, I played hockey, and in hockey, you could have 
you could have a water guy, but it would be like a case with independent water bottles in it. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it wouldn't be a giant jug or a giant barrel or whatever that Gatorade. Hey, you don't want to dump it in the ice. Thing is, Zamboni guy is just like yelling at you. If you dump Gatorade all over the ice, yeah, that's true. It's not. A that's good another situation. another aspect to think about. But anyway, uh, dating back to some of my favorite advertising, talking about Michael Jordan days and things like this. Gatorade's just been a part of it. And how do you advance? How do you adapt the thing? And this is the way they're doing it, embracing technology. They're coming out with this smart patch that is going to measure your sweat and hydration. It's a one-time use. You're going to uh, pick this up. You're going to order it on the internet or pick it up at Dick's Sporting Goods. And it's going to interact with your phone where you scan the patch and it will it will give you some some key stats on uh, your fitness at that moment, your, your body essentially. Uh, sodium and uh, hydration levels, and it can do this based on your sweat after the workout. So you do the workout, it absorbs into the pa the pad, you scan the pad, and then you get this feedback. You get your sweat profile results. Cool. And, and you, you don't know, need to plug it in or anything. No, no, no. No, no, it's just this little patch. The patch is twenty four ninety nine though, so it's not cheap. Wait, isn't that... A one-time-use wearable that analyzes sweat to provide athletes with insights about their athletic performance and hydration levels. So the way I look at it, you're not going to use it every workout, but you're going to use it a few times to see yeah. where you're at and just get an idea of if you're hydrating enough uh, or any kind of, I don't know, I guess if you saw some data in there that was concerning, you'd be like, oh, I'm doing something really wrong or I don't know. I think that's the angle. But you know what the other angle is? Give you... Look, your results are crap. You're not hydrated as much as we want. Mm. Go buy some Gatorade. Yeah, that that is uh, most likely it? the case. You see how that works too, right? Uh -huh. So from a marketing perspective, but, you know, nobody, listen, nobody wants to be left behind. They want to be a part of the tech thing and want to embrace the technologies. I don't mind that. Gatorade is dominant, by the way, in terms of the U.S. sports drinks category category they got 72 percent of the market they want to maintain that lead you know you had uh who who'd you have you had a uh, powerade and body armor is a new one i think body, body armor was the one that kobe bryant was associated with actually r.i.p kobe uh here's another one apparently elon musk is uh facing some some Ambani challenge over there in India. They're both they. They're, it's a little bit of a race to do the hyperloop thing first in India to connect some cities, mm. and it has actually been a little bit since we talked about the hyperloop as far as the variety of projects that Elon has been somewhat associated with. Uh, the Virgin Hyperloop. We've seen a test run. Mm -hmm. I've seen a test run. Actually, I think a clip might be linked in this particular article of uh, an early test run, but. Now, Indian billionaire Mukesh Ambani wants to, you know, he wants to be involved. He wants to partake. He has upped the stakes with an investment of $25.76 million in Skytran, acquiring a majority st stake. And it's like Hyperloop. It will use the power of magnets to offer a carbon emissions-free, uh, free of tra traveling faster within urban cities. So the only, listen, the only difference, I read through this article, the only difference I could see was that Skytran, the company he invested in, was more interested in within the city type of transport, so short, slightly shorter distances, whereas Hyperloop is more like connecting cities, city to city hmm. type of type of speed. Of course, uh, these things can travel. They, they successfully carried two humans through a tube. Hyperloop did it at 160 kilometers per hour. And it was magnetically levitated, the pod that they were sitting in. So they they effectively did it. I got to admit, I watched the clip and I was like, that's cool. It was a little shaky. I know that sounds so nitpicky. I'm like, they're they're levitating and, and, yeah. and, and they're, they're in, traveling super quick. 160 kilometers and all the rest of it. But I just don't know if when it, when it actually becomes commercially available. And I get it because like, think about trains. They're not completely smooth. No, right? although bullet trains are... They're pretty, pretty smooth. smooth. A bullet train would be what you're up against here. I guess so, yeah. But see, we never had much experience with the bullet trains around here. I really feel like no. I missed out on something in life. Oh. You must have bullet trained yeah. in Japan, I would guess. Uh, 
from I think Tokyo to t- uh, Kyoto or Osaka. You were just a bullet. And it was quick. You were a bullet. And it yeah, the, you got the landscape on the side. Felt very good. wow. You're uh, reminiscing right now. Uh, eating some uh, bento. Easy. Uh, <laughs> Don't have too good of a time, man. Jeez, everybody's trapped at home right now. You're, I know. You're, I feel you're, bad, but, you're over uh, there in Japan. I'm living vicariously through uh, my memories. Your own memories. Wow, that's deep. Uh, yeah. So those exist, but obviously in these places where they're uh, goofing around, where they're uh, experimenting with these magnetically levitated pods, those places don't don't typically have the high speed or the bullet trains anyway. Right, it, it, even even in the U.S. or here in Canada or, or wherever, some of the original proposals were coming from around Hyperloop. But it turns out India has become a battleground because there's a a lot of people to move around, and and a future that needs to be built. Yes. And so there's a little bit of a head-to-head thing going on. I don't know that it's quite head-to-head because, like I said, they have a slightly different target. But uh, nonetheless, it seems that. These, there's a there's a collision course between these moguls where everybody's trying to be a part of the future in similar ways. Whether we're talking about Bezos, whether we're talking about Musk or Ambani, or it's it's all this diversity of, of projects. Yes, that, that that you're involved in. And speaking of that, actually staying on the topic for a quick second, this is on the opposite end of the spectrum with India. The uh, union minister making a pitch to offer cheaper production to Tesla than China. So here is India attempting to attract Tesla to manufacture in India and bring more bring more Elon into the country over here. Mm-hmm. Now it's a, the market is a little bit different than China. So there's not a lot of EVs as it stands right now in India. And Tesla just recently registered the name and set up the office down there in uh, Bangalore. Mm-hmm. So they're coming to to sell the product, but the question of manufacturing it there's a whole different, a whole different ball game. Because I mean, we talked about the smartphone thing, but a car thing is a whole different. How many how many gigafactories even are there? Right, you got four, five. I don't I don't know what it is. It's not a big nut. Berlin, Fremont, Nevada. Shanghai. Shanghai. I, I don't know of any others. I'm sure that maybe there's yeah. maybe there's one more. I don't know. Texas? Is there a gig? Oh, I said Nevada. Texas? Maybe there's not one in Nevada. Nevada. They're oh. building one in Texas, right, for the Cybertruck. Oh, I see. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is they went into China because the marketplace, you're talking about the number one automotive marketplace in the mm-hmm. world. So you go over there and you say to yourself, well, these there's a huge potential customer base and we're already moving the vehicles around so much that we might as well make them here. And there's incentives as well to do so. Now, on India's side, they can make the incentive to, to manufacture there. They can say, we can do it cheaper than China can do it, or that's the, the statement here. But then you need the buyer. Like, does it make sense? Is the buyer here, or are we going to have to then ship it to all these other countries mm-hmm. having been made from here? Because with automotive, it's usually made around the corner pretty close, unless you get one of those over there. Yeah. In which case, they travel a long way. But that's a small part of the market that behaves like that. So, like, you're buying the Toyotas from where's it from? Alliston. Is or, it? Well, I'm just saying, like, I, they have a, they have a. I think. Oh, that's Honda. So I apologize. But you see where I'm going. You see where I'm going. Sure. Yeah. It, it, it's. Uh, or, or we like were talking it, about Hyundai the other day. How for the American market, they're down in Georgia, mm-hmm. right? If it's made locally, it needs to be bought locally. It makes more sense, especially yeah. for the mass market. Mm-hmm. When it comes to automobiles, that's the way that it has been. And so let me just give you an idea of the demand in India, or at least what has been the demand up until now. Uh, India's EV market accounted for just 5,000 out of a total of 2.4 million cars sold in the country last year. Mm. 5,000 units, man. It's not a big number. You're talking about a place that sold 2.5 million Two and a half million, two point four million cars mm-hmm. in a year. Now, is it one of these chicken and the egg scenarios? You get Tesla there, you provide the incentives to manufacture there, brings the cost down, then people buy them. Maybe is it an infrastructure thing? Where do I charge it? 
Is it a electrical a grid thing where people are concerned? Hey, because I got to tell you, man, when I was over there, the power went out. I'm right. just saying. I mean, the power goes out in a lot of places, but I had some rolling power. I was, uh, it was a bit of an experience. It's like, just oh, one of those days. power's down right now for a bit. Okay. I mean, I don't know how much that would affect or impact my perspective when I'm going to spend some money on the vehicle. And of course, our fans in that part of the world, they can, uh, that are watching this, you can, you can, you can uh, tell me what your position is on it or what might uh, turn you off of an EV vehicle purchase. It's, it's, I'm curious to know, but it could be a chicken and egg scenario where this particular minister or this particular uh, union leader, union minister, where he thinks, okay, we get the manufacturing here and then we get the price down and then we get the purchasing, then we get the investment and we're off to the races. You know, maybe that's the angle. We'll have to wait and see. I do not know if you follow this story, the weirdest story. I just had to cover it because it's just so weird. Lady Gaga's dog walker describes harrowing attack as a very close call with death. This, what? What a weird story, man. You have a dog? I do, yes. You have a dog? The dog, the guy is walking the dogs. Three French bulldogs, I think. Lady Gaga's dogs. Lady Gaga's dogs. And he's always walking the dogs. He's out there in LA. He's walking the dogs. Sure. Do what you do. Do what you do. And he gets approached. I saw the video. There's a video clip. You don't have to play it. I mean, it is what you expect. But the car rolls up. It's somebody's security camera. Car rolls up to the guy. Two guys jump out. If you were looking for Otis, you just thought of your dog. He's laying over there on yeah. the couch. He's so cozy okay. right now. You don't have to worry about him. No, nobody's is. rolling up on him right now. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. Anyway, they jump out the car, and there's a scuffle. Scuffle ensues. They're trying to take the, the bulldogs. And the guy, the dog walker, is resisting. You can't take my dogs. Yeah. He's fighting for them. Absolutely. He's yeah. struggling. And one of them has a loaded weapon, one of the uh, thieves. And shoots him over the oh. dogs. And now you and I had this conversation. Like, what is the protocol? You're a dog walker. Are you supposed to? I know you're not expecting this to happen. I don't know how common this is. Uh -huh. I know those French bulldogs can cost a couple of dollars. Mm -hmm. But uh, look at this. Pictures. I mean, it's it's. I just don't know instinctually what I would do. I don't know what law enforcement would advise you to do i think they would say because the guys shoot him and then they got the dogs anyway they got two out of the three dogs so so the thing is what is the rule here like do you let them have the dogs and then try to figure it out after and and as opposed to getting shot because of course lady gaga after it all went down she comes out and says i'm gonna give five hundred thousand dollars to get these dogs back and then the dogs show up back because I don't care how much you pay, I don't care how much you think you're gonna sell a French bulldog for. It ain't five hundred thousand. Uh huh. And By so the way, the guy is alive. Did you mention that? Oh yeah. He, oh, I don't know there. if I mentioned that. Yeah, he got shot yeah. but not killed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I apologize. I should have said that. Uh, actually, it would be a whole different story if that were the case. Oh. But he 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 said he came close to it's death. He actually finally talked about what had occurred. He's been in really rough shape. He's like, it's not good stuff, man. Really rough shape over this. And, and we don't know too much about how the dogs came back. We just know that they were delivered by a woman and not, not much else has been said at this point. I don't know what type of arrangements were made for such a thing. Either way, the dogs are back, so that's good. I don't know if the ransom was paid. I don't know if the whole thing was a ransom plot, if they knew whose dogs they were, or if they were just trying to just sell some dogs, like buy and like or steal and sell. I don't know, man. It's mm -hmm. such a weird. Anyway, my my sympathy for uh, to everybody affected. Obviously, this is a. It's really just a terrible. There's no other way to describe it. It's a terrible story. You're out for a walk with the dog, and then you see somebody latching onto the dog, and you love the dog. I do, yeah. You love the dog, and yeah. someone's latching onto the dog, and your instinct is like, "What do you do?" And then you end, and then. You know, good, thank uh -huh. God the guy's not dead, but in a split second moment, how are you know? Yeah. Now, if it was a child, it's even elevated. Obviously, mm -hmm. if it's a child, then in home right. 
God, and that's that's life or death. But I'm curious what people think about the relationship there, and uh, and how they might respond in a type of situation like that. I'm just being honest with it. Like I don't, uh, and it's not even his. I'm sure he loves the dog, but it's not even his dog. Right. For the record, he's the dog walker, but I think he does have an intimate relationship. For sure, yeah. But anyway, shout out for the return. Shout out to the dogs and and shout out to the dog walker. Uh, get well soon. And uh, and please stop doing this, people. Like, you know? Yeah. What? Uh, come on. We're taking the dogs now? Mm. I mean, I mean yeah. taking the dogs now? I know it's rough out there, but jeez. Oh, this is a this is a wild one. A Nike executive recently left the company after a report went out that her son had a huge sneaker business side business going on. Her son was known for being one of the biggest resellers on the West Coast. He was he was known by his name West Coast Joe, and they put out uh, Bloomberg Business Week put out a cover article exploring the story of Joe. Herbert, who is the son of this particular Nike executive. He was a, a college dropout making a living as a sneaker reseller. I mean... Look at all these Yeezys. Listen, do your thing, man. Do Whoa. your thing. It's fine. I, I mean, I love this type of thing. I love the hustle and all this. But people are trying to connect the dots now in an attempt to figure out if he had some sort of a if there was any shady business going on with the mother's relationship to Nike and the acquisition of certain Nike goods. And I guess, you, you know, it was just a lot of, uh, well, people do what they do. They assume that this, that there's something shady going on, but these are good, fo great photos. I mean, look at this, just sneakers galore over here. Look at all these Jordans. Hypnotic. Those are off-white Jordan Five. I don't know, man. Those are probably they probably cost a lot of money, and and if his mother could help him through the correct channels, get his hands on it, or not pay full price or whatever, it's, you see how this can be problematic or a conflict. Yeah. But I'm not for the record saying that's what happened. I'm gonna leave it open ended. I don't even know that Bloomberg is alleging such a thing. But now you have the correlation. Now you have the executive stepping down right after the article goes out. Mm. Granted, Nike themselves doesn't say, oh, that's the reason. But this right. executive had been there for 25 years. Now they got to find a new leader for North America. I mean, a big job, Will. I'm talking about a big job. Yeah, it's very uh, fishy. I, yeah, I'm just very saying you, you're, 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 you get your spidey sense tingling over here. It's tingling. Yeah, you're tingling. Yeah. And and it's fair to tingle right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's uh, that there was any shady business. It doesn't necessarily mean sure. that. Uh, it could just be maybe his business is booming so much yeah. he needs an executive. Maybe he's just like a really good hustler. But he needs to hire. Is it his mom or dad? Yeah, his mom. He needs to hire his mom to be his executive now on his on his board because the resale business is taking off. Sure. Yeah. And this person, <laughs> N. Herbert, or Hebert, probably yeah. knows a thing or two about Nike. Hey, and yeah. sneakers, 25 years exactly. in the business. So shout out to the family. Look, man, as long as everything's legal, whatever, do your thing. I I, I don't know enough about it, but uh, a lot of alleged stuff going on here. Crazy story nonetheless. Uh, one more crazy story. Last story of the day. Man wins $500,000. Using the numbers for the lottery, that using the numbers that he got on uh, in his fortune cookie. You imagine that, Will? Those, you know, you got the fortune cookie with the lucky numbers in it. Uh huh. I never look at that. I mean, I don't, I don't play the lottery. Do you look at that? Those numbers in there? No. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, apparently, if you're this guy, you're supposed to look at these numbers, play them, play them on the lottery, and make five hundred thousand dollars. The fortune cookie lived up to his name. The odds of winning one in 292 million. Ernesto Sorzano, his Chinese takeout dinner paid off big time. He played the set of lucky numbers inside the fortune cookie on a North Carolina Powerball ticket. And it was a $3 ticket, ended up matching four of the numbers and landing him $500,000. Says he's going to use it to purchase a house in North Carolina. 
and talk about having a talk about having a better day than usual. Mm-hmm. Especially the way the world is right now. You just have you're just eating a nice little fortune cookie, looking at your numbers. You just had a nice meal. You look at those numbers, you say to yourself, those numbers are gonna win right there. Right? Yeah. You're digesting the meal, you go play the numbers. The you know, following day or a couple of days, you're remembering the nice meal as you check the numbers, what came back, you you get the check, take a check, you see the five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be eating a lot of Chinese food. I'll tell you what. 